Yeah, yeah, let's get into this, shall we? All right, here we are, another episode of Terribly Funny. I am your host. My name's Steve Bazalone, um, and this is the podcast where we talk to funny people about the terrible things. And today we have a, a, a very funny guest. Uh, she's an old friend of mine by the name of Megan Gans. What can I tell you about Megan? Well, she's very charming. She's hyper-articulate. Uh, uh, she's a great writer, and she's worked on probably, you know, all of your favorite shows, such as Modern Family, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Dimitri Martin Show, and um, a show where I first met her in the summer of 2011, uh, a little show uh, called Community. We worked on two, sh- two seasons together there. She's a delight, and today she's going to tell us about some, some real doozies, uh, namely what it's like to lose a dad when you're super young, and then what it's like to be a, a, a lady working in Hollywood, uh, where you're open to sexual harassment at every turn. It's a land of dreams, friends. Uh, and today, Megan is going to tell us uh, what that's like. Uh, I want to let her get into it, because she'll do a much better job than me. Um, sounds like fun, doesn't it? Okay, great. Here, let's get some theme music and get on with it, shall we? Clear front runner, uh-huh. dad dying. It's a great that, one. That, that's a great shots one. to the top of the yeah, list. Yeah, that, that's up there. Uh, at age, age eight, and then I really like anything else though that I put on the list comparably to that was like, who cares? You know what I mean? Do, you, a, have, do you have this problem with guess where it's like, what's bit. the B storyline to dad dying? Well, I had a little bit, but I think like there has been, um, I don't know. Like I like covering a broad swath because obviously, like sometimes parent dying that's mm-hmm. a big it's a big deal especially when you're eight you're like yeah. soft clay so that makes a big mark yeah but yeah. like you know also there's a lot of people who haven't gone through that so it's a universal like a buddy just talked about being when we were 22 and being broke as fuck and like life is supposed yeah. to be easier and that's like oh it's very universal and that's also like at that point in time that felt like the biggest fucking thing yeah it is I mean there's certainly things that like I, I don't and I don't think the death of a parent would have impacted me as much had it happened at later life but obviously I haven't gone through that yet yeah. thank God not on all the tables. Uh-huh. I have the feeling that when my mother passes away, I'm going to feel like an orphan no matter what age I am. I could sure. be like 60 years old and I'd be like, I'm an orphan. Who will take care of me? It's like well, your husband, hopefully. Or yeah. Your kids. Or, yeah. It's such a weird sensation though because it's, I think, it's... Um, there's nothing between you and the beyond. Yes. It's just like, there's like this, this safety net. Yeah. And then like, once that goes away, it's like, oh, I'm just looking down that. Yeah. Previously, there was like, well, there's this it's, other thing that's a buffer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a safety net. I think it's almost like an ozone layer yes. where like once it's gone, nothing can put it back and yep. you just slowly start to yeah. die. Right. There's nothing between you and just, just the sun beating down, giving yeah. you cancer all yeah, the time. Yeah, I'm just going like, to melt very, very slowly. Yeah. Um... So I think about that like a lot, but at, but at age eight, it's I think that the worst thing about it is that you just can't conceive of it happening. Like your your no. your mind is just not there yet in well, order to understand. Not even understanding death, but like death of a parent is just like well that doesn't happen. Well, they're always here. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I can hate them and tell them I hate yeah, them exactly. because they'll always be here, so we can make up later in yeah. life. Yeah, you know? but it's also like it's one of those things where like at eight, really like goldfish dies, and that's even like. But what do you... Yeah. Things go away? Yeah. I mean, even that's like a hard thing to grasp. I remember at my dad's wake, which was kind of awful because my family was Catholic and they did open casket stuff, which... Oh, yeah. I have just lousy with Catholics, Don't so. do that. Don't... It's hard, man. 
don't do that. I, I know that, it, I guess it gives people closure. To me, I have that picture now in my head of my dad and it oh. will never go away. Like what he looked like dead. I and just eight, know like, I feel like now. as an older person, like I can wrap my mind around it. Mm-hmm. I think I've been to like maybe, and I've been to a shit ton of funerals because I have a big family. Yeah. And there's just a bunch of old folks that yeah. are biting it. Um, but I think I've been to like, let's say out of 40 funerals, maybe three open caskets like, Oh, they look pretty good. And the rest of them are like, oh no. Oh yeah. It's always oh no. Yeah. It's always ter- my my dad died um in a car accident um because he had epilepsy and he had a seizure while driving and hit a telephone pole. How, Just I've not that there's a good way to there's go. There's not but. a good way to go. I've known <laughs> but, you for what, seven years now? Yeah. And I knew your dad died. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it was I mean, it's one of those things where you're like the only reason that you can talk about it is because nobody else was hurt in the accident. Right. Because if, I mean, I, I don't know if you ever watched that HBO documentary, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane, which no. is about the, oh, it's so good. You should, yeah. you should watch it. Oh, my title. God. Yeah, There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane. Mm-hmm. It's a direct quote from a 911 call. of It was a woman who was driving. Uh, she drove a minivan basically full of her kids and her like nieces and nephews down the wrong side of a highway she found out they found out later that she was drunk the family denies that she like does any drinking but she went the wrong way down the side of the highway and caused the the largest crash like the crash with the uh, largest number of fatalities oh, like no. in the, it was i think it was like nine people dead in one crash in a single crash um that but but that sort of thing, it's like, and you the documentary is mostly about the family because how do you how do you process how, one how do you process one. the grief of what's supposed to happen to you? Yes. But then in addition to that, how this like transferred guilt? Yeah, like it's not you, but like it's it's like you're dead and they're a murderer at yeah. the same time. But but so thankfully nothing like that happened, and and it's been an interesting because you know I didn't know exactly the terms of it um, until I was a little bit older because when we were young, we knew that there was something that my dad had that made him have these fits. Right. But, but because we're so young, how do you explain epilepsy to a kid? My yeah. mom would just tell us, oh, he's been in the sun too long, which made Uh-oh. me terrified of the yeah. sun. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> the things that like you oh. tell your kids to like mitigate real life problems yeah and then it's like oh no it's a whole new world <laughs> the sun is evil <laughs> but also well, like what can you do as a parent because yeah. I, I think you mentioned like the clay that you you are at that yeah. time everything sticks to it like i and not even stuff that my mom meant to say to me but i remember walking through the uh living room once while she was talking to my aunt nancy after my dad died and she mentioned something about how she just has a hard time feeling safe now that there's no man in the house. Uh-huh. And I was like, gonna bank that in for yeah. all the dating I do in my early oh, 20s. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's a good track record. A good oh, it's just like for... a direct route, like a oh. causal linkage to... But that's like, that's unfair because she wasn't even talking to me. She was talking no. to like my aunt just blowing off steam, you know? Yeah, and that makes sense. Like you're, you're accustomed to this presence. Yeah. And that was like a... Sec- I mean, it could have just been like security and like... It doesn't matter. My, my, my mother also is just like a goddess of a creature because she... Um, she all of a sudden became a single mother of three kids and somehow Ugh. didn't just get in her car and like drive just away. Drive into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but so we didn't know all the particulars of like what the epilepsy and I didn't know that that was what ha- related to the car crash for a while afterwards. And then it's been interesting because in my adult life, I talked to my mom about it more often and she's like, oh, you know, he just had a lot of 
issues with take you know he took his medication regularly but they caused all sorts of side effects for him right. and my dad was an orthodontist and so he wanted to be like an active I mean he's an d adult man with yeah. his own practice he wanted to drive to and from work and the most conservative of doctors will say if you have epilepsy you can have an attack at any time so yeah. like you can't do it's that you have great. to have somebody drive you to work and back and somebody to be there and it was just but also it's like a thing where it, I, I would think that there's like a little bit of a, even if it's perceived just a self, uh, uh, something that you're doing to yourself, but there's like a stigma. Like yeah. if you're like, yeah. I'm, I'm a powerful person or I'm like in charge of this yeah. practice, but then I can't get to work on my yeah, own. Yeah, I think it's like, it all of a sudden becomes a disability yeah. as opposed to a disease, which is already bad enough. It's like yeah. he's got a disease that he's had since he was a kid. It's and something you feel like you have to hide. Yeah, and you're yeah. just trying to like deal with it. And, and so it's been interesting because I go in waves of understanding right. like where he was. Because I think when I was in my early 20s, my mom told me about how she would go through this whole rigmarole with her, him to try to get him to take his medication all the time because right. these things. And I remember at that time thinking like, oh, what a jerk, you know. Know, like, but sure. then you get older and you're like, it's your, it's your life. It's your like life. you, you, you want to decide he, I'm sure every day that he woke up, drove to work and back by himself, it felt really amazing. Like yeah. to, so that well, one time that it went like, bad. When you're trying to just like achieve normalcy. Yeah. And also I would imagine something like that, like it doesn't affect, it's not like he feels sick. Yeah. So it just like comes out of nowhere. So he's like, I'm fine. Why yeah. take this thing that's going exactly. to inhib like inhibit me in other ways? Yeah. When I can just like roll the dice. Yeah, yeah. And try yeah. to be normal. And and even if he took the medication all the time, which he generally did, it still wasn't a guarantee that he wouldn't have an episode. Right. So it's not like you know you have a 100% success right. rate. Um, so. So that was, it was really sudden, like, I remember my sister and I were at piano lessons, and we got, like, picked up by my aunt and taken to her house, and That's we were kind great. of, yeah, never great, but, and then yeah. they sort of told us that my mom was in the hospital, and... Was your aunt, was she, like, was she keeping it together? She was, yeah, I remember her being okay. Um, honestly, I, I don't have as many memories of the day of, because up until the time that my mom came back from the hospital and told us that he was dead, I, d I didn't think anything was happening. Right. I just thought, oh, she's gone to the hospital with him. But they didn't say car accident or anything. They just said, like, your mom's in the hospital with your dad. So it's like, okay, well, something happened, obviously, but you're eight. Yeah. So At that age, mostly, everything is, should be fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Mostly my, my cousins had a, a Super Nintendo, so that was what the afternoon oh, was. It was like, like Mario 2 and 3. Yeah, yeah, we were like, oh great, we get to go over, I mean at least I was like, great, we get to play video games. My sister who was 10 was really nervous. I remember her being very pacing and stuff at 10 years old. And okay. I was like, you're being dumb, like settle down. Because also we were sisters, so you just take the contrarian of course. to whatever she's doing. <clears throat> and then... And then my yeah, and then my mom came back from the hospital and told us that he was dead. And it was just like I'm interrupting, but no, how do you break that? I, 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 she. I think she tried to first tell us what had led up to that moment. But when she walked in the door, it's like you know when you when you just see that something awful has happened, like mm -hmm. especially on your parents' face. My mom is a really upbeat person, so she looked like white as a ghost, oh. you know, and like. You just, I could just tell that something terrible has happened. But again, you're, you, even after she said the words, like, your dad is dead, I was like, okay, but All right. I don't know what that means, yeah. you know? What's you don't process so it. It's just, it's just so big that you think, 
No. You know, I mean, right. I, I don't, your brain just goes, just can't take in the information. And for, I think that took like weeks because I would wake up, I would have dreams and then wake up and then realize he wasn't there and realize there's a, you know, a difference in the dream. Then I remember like figuring it out through basically dreaming about him being there and then waking up and then he wasn't there again. It was like the opposite of Groundhog Day. It like wasn't the same right. day every it day. Same day. It was like a hoping. new terrible day every day Oof. where people would bring casseroles to our house. We had so many casseroles and like people would just bring stuff because they were just they didn't know what to say so it's, they're just like here that's a weird phenomenon it's like so sweet and nice but yeah. like you don't know what else can I do I can't give you I can't make your life right yeah I can't just fix give it me a lot of, I'll give you a lot of food that you will throw out because you're too much of it yeah but. and then you're you're doing that and then we did I think one day of a, of a wake or maybe two where you go to the funeral home and we would just stand there while like people would come in and We'd just be standing in the same room as my dead dad. Like it's so weird. It's so weird, it's so and weird. I and then it was funny because well, not funny. It's funny now to look back on it, but my mom um, sent us to like grief counseling, which was mm. great, a good idea for us to be doing. But to be doing that and then being like, oh, we're really worried about how you're going to take this. But then also, you need to stand in this room next to your dad's like corpse for to greet all your cousins. And I remember like one of my cousins coming up to me and being like crying and being like I, I basically it, the child version of I know what you're going through because I had a hamster that died and it was like really and you're and I think I made I rolled uh, my eyes exactly like that at the uh, age of eight like uh, you gotta be kidding me Jesus <clears throat> but but then it's like also like you're trying to be like I don't I'm trying to empathy yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how this this has got to be terrible but I had a hamster once oh totally and the thing that you realize is when something like that happens how quickly it goes from being a problem of yours to you making you, other people feel okay sure. about it that's, the, you know? that's like a, the biggest part I think of mourning early on yeah because nobody I'm has okay. the language like, for that yeah. yeah assuring other people that it's that and then listening to them try to say something to be helpful, like, because there's a lot, I mean, obviously, it was, I went to Catholic school when I was younger, and there was a lot of, he's looking down on, you know, from heaven, and there's a lot of that stuff, which I understand. I, in fact, I think that's the only thing that I would, that I worry about being now an atheist, is if I ever did have children, what do you, if, if my, if I had children and my spouse died, you bet your ass I'd be like, oh yeah, God's up in heaven, uh, yeah. and he's, He's hugging dad and he's super proud of you guys yeah. and he watches you all the time. Because, like, what else are you supposed to say? I don't, yeah, it's, it's it, especially to a child and also when, like, take out of the equation that your mom was also fr fucking probably oh. heartbroken and oh, just yeah. destroyed. But oh, then two also days after he, he died, she had a full body um, allergy attack, like hives, that all over sense. her body from stress. Yeah. And had to go to the hospital because it was just like... You, you can only handle so much. There was I think like a, she a just, physical breaking point. Yeah, I think she just must have been lying in bed and went, holy shit, this yeah. is my life forever now. Ugh. And then... <laughs> I mean, that's really like the... my. I, I feel like I processed my dad's death between the years, years of 8 and 15. Like, 15 was yeah. when it kind of came back around for me and I really dealt with it and I got 
really like mood swinging. I mean, also as a teenage girl, so it's hormonal. But then you're also really at the age where you're finally able to really process what it means to have lost a parent because you're starting to think about your future more and you start thinking, oh, they're not going to be a part of that future. And what is this going to mean? For the first time, you're looking beyond your like four walls. Exactly. And you're thinking about, you know, I, you know, you start thinking about getting married and then not being there and things like that. And right. then it, and then it really hit me again as like, um, and I was also like, uh, in high school I started getting really into comedy and my dad was the one who basically was yeah. always introducing me to comedy. He showed me Marx Brothers movies when I was young and he was the one that like, when I was way too young to be doing it, would say, would show me like um married with children and be like sure. don't tell your mom we're watching this yeah. but yeah um, your dad and my dad are cut from similar cloths yeah. yeah i feel like that's such a good way to get your kid to go into comedy is by being like here's a secret between yeah. you and me don't tell your mom also make it seem like this is really cool yeah it's, i mean comedy i think is cool but oh, it a lot is. of people yeah. <laughs> but it felt like our secret club that like nobody yeah. else could be a part of um swordfish yeah, <laughs> yeah. so then when when I hit eight, 15 and I started really, you know, really starting to write and realize that I was, a, I thought that I was a funny person because the first basically year or so of high school, I just didn't speak out loud. I was like mm-hmm. very shy and, <clears throat> and I started doing plays and I found my confidence a little bit through like theater and, right. um, I wrote a terrible blog at the time, but I was just like finding my voice and everything, and I realized like, oh, oh, sorry, I, I'm interrupting again, but yeah. I always forget that you were younger because we came up at the same time. But oh, you're saying yeah. blog in high school, like I was like, have got my first AOL online name. In high school. Well, well, it was like a uh, what was Amazing. Angel Fire page? Do you oh, remember sh- those? Yes, yes, yeah, sure, it was like sure. that. Uh-huh. So it was. I mean, I'm trying to think of. Well, I was born in '84, so anyway, whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, three but, years difference. Yeah, because that that was college. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, like senior year of high school, but college, yeah. but like high school for me was just like. Yeah, high school I, I had a Hotmail account when I was <laughs> fucking a sophomore. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I, as soon as the internet came around, I don't know if you were the same way, but as soon as the internet came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be great for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do not do so well face to face, and this is going to be. Yeah, this is This, this is, is my this medium. Is right <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was so. And then when, and cell phones and texting, I was like, oh, this is. Things are moving more textual and verbal and yeah. less face, and uh-huh. that's what I need. Um, I, I'm still the place that I've had friends for probably years that I've never spoken to on the phone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, when somebody calls me, like, I, what's what's going on? I think, like, something's wrong, or, or they're weird. Yeah. That's my first instinct. What's, like, no, what's wrong with that? Yeah. <laughs> let's, get, let's talk. I know. My husband really likes calling me on the phone, and I'm, and I'm always like, and I always enjoy, like, hello? Like, are you okay? Like, are you... What? Everything? Something like, wrong? Yeah, I'm just checking in because yeah. I love you. Okay. Oh. What's your weird. problem? <laughs> um, but uh, but so I think that that was a, a real moment when I started <clears throat> like actually processing the loss because I realized I was going to be going into a field that he would have really understood and been the proudest of. You know, yeah. I think he would have gotten it a lot faster than my mom did, and and. Um, and been like really excited that I went to that particular thing. I think it was always something that he wanted to do, but that he, you know, it would have been a thing he could live vicariously sure. through me. Sure. Um, because even like when he was in dental school, um, my dad used to like have the his like classmates over to watch the Three Stooges and stuff. Like he was always exactly. like loved comedy yeah. and stuff. 
Um, and so, uh, and, and my path, like the, my path through comedy, actually he would have gotten because he bought me my first mad magazines. That was my first internship. Mm -hmm. And then he knew about the onion and uh, although my mom bought me my first onion book. So props are props are due. Sure. Mom. She, she, well, got she that like picked up the, the mantle, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. She, she was like, okay, so this weirdo's into humor, yeah, like right. just stand in front of the Barnes and Noble humor section being like, uh, well, what my husband done? <laughs> All right, let's try this thing. Yeah. Which Do you think that that kind of drove you into that as like a reason particularly like because you could have I mean granted you this interest was fostered but you could uh -huh. have gone anywhere you didn't have to start off a mad magazine did you yeah. feel like that was like yeah I mean there was definitely a part of me that was like you know trying to please I mean I think that's it's been a big thing with me. I've always been trying to please a parent that like wasn't really there. Sure. Withholding fathers work on me, yeah. by the way. Yeah. If I am ever single again and you Good want and you want to find me somebody to date, withholding fathers. No, but like but but I think there was always that thing of like maybe if I do something that would have made him proud enough, it'll be like okay somehow. Yeah. I, it just and my mom is so proud of me and she supported me like every leg of the way and and so and I think in order to drive yourself forward, you kind of need somebody who isn't supporting you so you can like throw it in their face. And the closest I have to that mm -hmm. is like a father who just can't really comment on the fact that how I'm doing. Well, that's interesting. You're like always like casting yourself as like the underdogs that spurns you on. Yeah. But like you're doing it for somebody who's probably ethereally like yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. yeah I'm excited for anything you do yeah who, who you, you worked in Mad Magazine I don't even that's as far as you need to go yeah it totally and, and who would it be and I, I don't actually have any belief in like that he's conscious or can see what I've done although the only when I when I got um, accepted to an internship at The Onion uh, when I was still in like college I got this email that they had hired they had selected me for this internship I felt the only time in my life after he died, I felt this weird like presence of him being around me, um, which I like wouldn't even mention usually because like it's I really don't believe in like ghosts or that people are here or anything. Neither do I, but it was the weirdest thing after my mom passed that like for a while I just felt this, and I'm sure it's just like purely me projecting and trying you to need like it so badly. Yeah, so yeah. that that's what that is by and large. But but, but know, we're man. also like I, I don't know, I. I don't think I buy into bullshit that easily, so I'm not, yeah. I wasn't looking for that experience in that moment, and I felt it, and it was one of those things where, like, it had that same feeling where when you know somebody is staring at you, and you turn and you yeah. see that they're staring at you. Or when, like, you walk into a room and a TV is on without the sound on, yeah. but you can still you sense just, it somehow. Yeah, and you can yeah. sense it being, yeah, that, it had that feeling, which is really creepy, and, but, but it's um, so, it's a, such a weird thing, because, I mean, I don't know, I mean, this is, to dwell on this, but like, we're all just energy. Yeah. In essence, and energy, yeah. once it's created, never ceases to exist. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But like, it feels like there's like, I like is it. that still around? I'll allow me? it. Like that, that sure. mom energy, that dad energy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it must, it, it's, it's, I think it was, it felt to me like a call and response, like an echo right. of a previous time that there was some maybe, want of his for me when he was still alive that yeah. had be, was being echoed in that moment and that's what I was feeling was a release of something that did you had... like lose it did you, was that like no a I was emotional... super excited about but that that was the thing it wasn't like I wasn't in a moment when I, when I got that email I wasn't in a moment of going like oh I wish my dad were here I wasn't thinking about that right. at all because yeah because I was just so excited about this thing and then all of a sudden I had this feeling about him being there but it wasn't yeah it wasn't like 
oh, well, this is sad, yeah. and oh, but I sort of do feel him, that he's here. Yeah, it was just, um, and I don't, I don't know what to think about that. Um, do you, well, as you've continued on your career, do you, at each little milestone, you know, this job or this script, or do you have these, like, are they these nice little touchstones that you, like, think of your dad? No, it's going to sound really callous. Not really. No, that's fine. I mean, you know, when a, when a parent dies that young, you you think about them. It's not like I ever forget that my dad yeah. is around, but the vast majority of my life has been spent without him right. now. And so I don't often connect him to things. Like, at my wedding, I definitely thought about him. Yeah. And But, like, every job and stuff, it's more... Now, I... You know, I call my mom and tell her about it, but no, I don't usually, I don't usually think about that. I don't know why it was that one thing. And it wasn't, and when I got hired to the Onion as a full-time staff writer, I didn't feel it again. So I don't know why in that one moment that was that like... That feels like, to me, like it's even more of like, not buying into bullshit. Like, why that one yeah. time? Well, I smoke a lot of weed now, so maybe I've just dulled all my Oh yeah, senses. dulled all your senses, you're just, your nerves <laughs> are just all buried deep. But I was going to try to tie, this is messed up but the therapist could sort this out pretty easily try to tie this into what I think is the B story runner of my life of other okay. awful thing that has happened oh, to great. me which is going to be like a difficult thing for me to talk about and you have to be nice to me when you edit this because I don't want I was going to talk about sexual harassment in um, in like Hollywood Always and being delightful. out here there's none of that I don't know uh, where did yeah. you get this oh well yeah. buckle up buddy mm -hmm. um, no but I but I was nervous about talking about it because I do realize that people can kind of like Guess guess who I'm talking about, or sure. like I. That's besides the point. Yeah, but you know how like everything lately has it's felt like there's this new mob mentality where they they take um, victim statements and then they try to chase down the person that they're you know and sort of like it gains a life of its own and and so I'm always like cautious in talking about this subject because I yeah. don't want to I don't actually want to like cause any. Uh, investigations into sure. like what any things that I talk about that have happened to me well, but women are always asking me like what's the difficult thing about being a woman in Hollywood and I think that there's a mis misunderstanding that it's all at the beginning like getting in is the toughest part and then once you're in like you're okay but there's all these guys trying to keep you out of the industry and I don't I have never felt that right. I feel like actually it's easier now to be hired as a woman if you have the same level of talent as a man like sure. a woman is a gold star on your being a woman is a gold star on your resume because people want to they've been shamed into it enough they like want to flesh out their rooms with women yeah as they should yeah as they, they should, should be. as they should have done been yeah. doing a long time For a ago a long time but so i think that there was you know a few years ago there was this whole thing about like oh there's no women at the daily show or there's no women or, you know right. or whatever that is and so people sometimes when women ask me about being a a writer, they they expect that what I'm going to say is, oh, it's so hard to get a foot in the door, right. which I don't actually think is what's true. It's just that once you get into the industry, as a woman, you're reminded time and again of your gender, like in a place where you weren't expecting it. It'll mm -hmm. suddenly become an issue where you, so you can never just be on autopilot and just trying to do your your good, your yeah. best job and be your best self as a writer because out of nowhere you get just sideswiped with like no you're a woman writer you know not even I think even in like subtle ways I will find that oh it's it, incredibly subtle yeah always, like even, yeah. just as so much like be doing like a room bit and then it'll feel like it take it's like maybe like overtly sexual and then someone would be like 
sorry for that and apologize to the woman. Like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're all a part of this thing. Yeah. Either or, don't do it if you feel shame about it, or just treat everybody as the same. Yeah, or they'll do hypothetical situations, but then they'll use you. Like, they'll be like, sure. so if Megan was going to do and you're just don't, I don't, you yeah. can just talk about a woman That's without fine. talking about me, which is yeah. fine. And I think that people know that there's this, you know, there, there's a lot of when you, because you're one of maybe one or two women in a room, unless you're lucky and you get on a show that's 50-50, yeah. which is happening like way more often. Which is great. Which is great. Yeah. Um, uh, which is why I'm going to look down on all the writers that come after me because they didn't struggle as hard as I did. Uh-huh. That's always the case. <laughs> um, no, but there's always this thing of like, um, of, oh, well, why don't we put one woman in this room and one woman in this room? If there's two of you, you know, they divide you up or like, oh, we need a woman to come along. And you'll be constantly reminded like throughout the day of, oh, you're a woman. So you fill the woman writer slot. And I've even been told when I was trying to leave a job that if they could find a woman to replace me, then I could leave. What? And I'm like, why? We're not interchangeable no. Legos. We are like, different. We're, we are different. we're totally different people. I hope I bring something different to the table than just any woman would bring. For sure. Uh, Granted, like, there's a difference of perspective. Sure. As a different gender, but sure. like, that's where it, that's where it that's, should stop. That's where it ends. But also, the difference in perspective, I don't think that they understand how different it is because you will often, uh, me as a woman, uh, very frequently gets asked like, so what would a mom be thinking about this? Or what would a mom do? I'm like, I don't know. I've never had a kid. In fact, if you guys are married to mothers, you have a, much you better, have a idea. better idea than yeah. I do about how this happens. I have as much of an instinct for this because I had a mother. Exactly. And you all did. It, it, totally. And so so there, there's that sort of stuff, which is really subtle and isn't isn't sexual harassment in the terms of like, hey, baby, what's shaking? But it's yeah. never like... Also, if anybody's saying that... It's, n- it's never like, me. dress more fun at the office. Oh, like, Jesus let's see Christ. those. It's never that. It's always... That would almost be kind of delightful. Like, it, really? Oh my god! I had a there was a guy at the uh, when I worked at the Onion who used to call me Jiggles, and I found it hilarious sure. because it, there was it was so it was so overtly ridiculous, overtly ridiculous uh-huh. that I didn't have. And also, I, I always feel that you can tell when somebody is doing a joke because uh-huh. they're making a joke, and when somebody is telling a joke because they want you to feel uncomfortable, which a lot of times it is. You yeah. know, when when a guy's you know I don't know that's. But um, but anyway, so I was gonna, and it's very hard because to talk about this because I, I I want to like give enough details about things that I've experienced in order for women that maybe are in the industry or going through like similar things to like know that they're not alone. But at the same time, it's one of those things where you don't want to be sure. so specific. One hundred percent, because I think it's become a thing in which, whenever there is some uh, something that comes to light, then it. It's just people kind of saying, like, I have more outrage, too. Yeah. It's like I am piling on to show, like, yes, I also don't condone this action. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, allow things to settle and the people who are involved. It, it, sure. Um, but Public but, outcry But also, I think that the, the way in which if, if men who are listening want to help women in this situation, what they need to do is when they're in those writer's rooms or when they're in situations where a guy is being inappropriate or talking inappropriately about like for instance wishing that his wife would cheat on him so that he could like go out and you know cheat with some or just something that's like I understand that we're in a writer's room that we're supposed to talk about every topic and it's supposed to be like but there are there are ways in which men will dominate the conversation talking about women being like their their wives being you know shrewd or like um and and you're sitting there as a woman and you're just like 
I have to see your wife at the at the holiday uh-huh. party, and you just sit in here and you talk about what a bitch she is. Yeah. And I know for a fact that you're the jerk. Like yeah. I bet if you you're demonstrating me the, that right now. <laughs> I bet if you explained to me the particulars of this fight you had with your wife, I would be on her side. Okay. Well, just also by doing what you're doing, just by like going out on a limb yeah. being so didactic about like what a terrible oh, sure. person that you chose to spend your life with is. Yeah. Like, you're probably the asshole here. And so, like, if a guy were in a situation like that and he felt like something, or if somebody were, you know, I, I another specific is that I was in a room once and people were arguing about woo the word woo and whether woo means to try to attract somebody or to have already attracted someone Um, and so one of the guys was like like if I was trying to woo Megan it doesn't mean I'm trying to fuck Megan and I was like okay well you don't need to use my name there like that's not but what happens is that no and this is what I was long way of getting this if men would step up in the in those moments and be like, "Hey, dude, like, chill out," for sure, it would help immeasurably. And not mm-hmm. to say that we can't do it by ourselves, but when a woman reacts to that and goes like, "I feel offended," then all we get is like, "Oh, you can't take a joke," or like, "Oh, we have to be on pins and needles around you," or well, whatever. It should it just is. be your battle to wage, and if it's only yours, then it's still continuing like the same systemic problem. Yeah. And like I, that is something I've tried to do. I don't know if I do it well, and a lot of yeah. times I'm sure I don't even recognize it because it's so. I feel ingrained. like you're a female ally. I would I put you sh- in that. I would definitely put you in that well, thank category. You. That's sweet. <laughs> I, I think I try to be, but like, there's also so many like subtle things. Yeah. Like what you're just talking about, like woo Megan, not fucking Megan, and that's like an example of like I'm just using the closest person around. Yeah. And like sitting here talking to you, that doesn't sound great. Yeah. But like in the moment, I probably wouldn't even, that wouldn't even say that to me because that's... And and the thing is that like, those are all very soft examples of like discussions that can happen in the room which don't hurt anybody. But the problem is those are little sprinkles piled on top of the shit Sunday that is the rest of the stuff that happens to you behind closed doors. Like for instance, to use a specific, I was uh, starting to work with a a studio. Um, I'm potentially developing a a project that didn't actually end up going anywhere. And I was invited by one of the producers of the studio to a party with a bunch of executives from like the network where I was supposed to meet a bunch of them. And it's just sort of like, because we were pitching to them Mm -hmm. and we were hoping to sell the show and everything. And as I was at that, so I show up at this party with my husband and we're going around meeting everybody. And as, and then um, he, uh, the producer that I was working with like was introducing me to some of the higher ups of the network as he was doing that he like would put his hand on my lower back to like as he was introducing me to them but then as literally as I was shaking their hand he would slide his hand down and cut my ass this happened four times at the, the first time happened four times in the same night and the fourth time I spun around and looked at him and he uh, like jerked his hand back like it was on fire and was like oops sorry about that uh, now like so that's a tacit like endorsement of the fact that he knew he was doing something yeah. very Oh, he completely I mean you don't mistakenly grab No, of course not, ass. but it's like there's but, some some world where like, oh, you're like a weird fucking old uncle and you think this is fine. Sure. Like he knew it was not fine. But, and here's the thing. As a woman when that happens, the worst thing about it is that your brain immediately starts trying to think of reasons why this isn't happening to you. So before sure. I even processed like the what was happening and meanwhile I'm trying to by the way I'm trying to delight executives in this moment and be really charming and whatever but half of my brain is dedicated to thinking did he just grab my ass again did that happen Uh and then you're immediately because you're taught to do this I I feel like women are taught to this you start making sure that you didn't do anything wrong or you didn't give any like bad bad signs but but it's 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 totally backed up by society because I've talked to 
girlfriends, guy friends, different people about this after it happened. And very often I would get the response like, but wasn't your husband there? Like, well, he did that in front of your husband. And I'm like, why does What's, that matter? Why is that, why is that a factor at all? Why is that a factor? That is not a Even if I were single anything. and looking for men, that doesn't mean I went to that party that night to like hook up with somebody. Certainly not the person that I was like hopefully going to yeah. be working with. And I wouldn't choose the moment when I was meeting a bunch of executives as the moment I was going to like strike on this guy. Um, and but and then, nor should he as, as somebody. Uh, but then people go like, but he must have been drunk or like whatever. And you hear these things and then you, I swear that all you, I start thinking is, okay, I'm just not going to tell this story anymore because I'm not a perfect victim enough for people to think that this was a bad thing that happened to me. Because the, the response right. is always, oh, but are you sure? Or did, did that really happen? And it's like, I think I know what four times... I think I know what four sure. times like I felt it and then I got into the car at the end of the night with my husband and just burst into tears he had no idea what was happening and then that was the whole thing and then it but and then it uh, follow up at, a, at another party that I went to which and this is the this is the ugly area you start getting in because I was reading all about Gretchen Carlson you know and she came out against Roger Ailes and she was like and then they they were showing these letters that she had written him after supposedly the dates where she um, had been sexually harassed and there were these nice letters that were thanking him for getting her different gigs or something and marginalize the experience exactly but they try to use that stuff as saying like so immediately even in my own head I'm like well why did you go to a second party if that happened to you at the first time and the answer is because I want to work in this industry Career. And I'm trying to. And you shouldn't not just because here. somebody else acted inappropriately. Yeah, you shouldn't be punished for that guy's fucking being a jamoke. Totally. And and how often as a man are you at a party or a work function and you're thinking about your body, like your physical body and what's happening to it? Unless I have to pee very rarely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so I am at a death. It's not even that that happened because that's a terrible thing. And obviously I dealt with that. You know. I, made an HR complaint and whatever I, I did my due diligence but in the moment it ruins that moment so successfully that it doesn't really matter what you do after the right. fact because and this is the thing that it's I think it's hard for, to grasp about um, women that are being sexually harassed is that we want it to not be happening just as badly as the guy wants to pretend it's not happening right. we we because the moment that you acknowledge it is happening you're that job is over you know, it's if you complain and you make a public thing about it, that that's the end of you working there. Either your, you know, your boss is going to be Lecco or you are or whatever it is. Something's going to happen, and then you're going to be marked as this person that um, makes waves. Makes waves, yeah, rocks the boat, you yeah. know. And and unfortunately, there have been I would say of the let's say six jobs that I've had scattered and at least half of them I've had experiences of sexual harassment whether from like somebody above me or or another um, you know guy on staff who just like didn't understand no and would I mean just like would do things like I'd be leaving the office and he would always leave at the same time and then walk with me uh, always like to my gym and stuff uh -huh. like but just wouldn't kind of take a shove off of, I don't want to, and then, or, or ask, ask me to pick them up in the morning, but then, um, I would have to make excuses about, oh no, I go to the gym in the morning so that I wouldn't have to keep getting asked for rides in the morning because I had, I had observed that this person doesn't know the difference between getting a ride in the morning and a breakfast a date. date. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but you also never realize that stuff until it's a little too late because you'll be at a new job and you want to make friends and you want to be nice 
and then you, you send an email and then all of a sudden that's like consent for being flirted with yes. or whatever it Which is. Which is total, it's a weird double standard, but it's also like, I think as most people, our instinct is to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Everybody's basically good. Yeah. And like the fact that you can't always do that and the fact that you, moving forward after such experiences, still want to do that. Sure. It's like astounding. But it's hard to put it out of your mind because like for instance it'll be something as casual as I've walked into a writer's room at the same time at the same at the same time as another guy that I work with mm-hmm. and the writer's room will be like ooh what happened to you guys last night you know oh, and you're just like why do you have to do that yeah. I, I, and I mean I know people are going to be like oh you can't take a joke that's not a joke it's also not a joke that men have to get all the time it's a joke that women have to get and you have to be worried about your reputation as a woman in For the sure. industry in a way that I don't think you really need to as a man well, I think it's also, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm coming from a different perspective, but like I feel like something like that is, while maybe seemingly like, oh, it's playful, it's juvenile, and like that might be the case if it was like very rare, but it's like a tonnage. It is. And it's also, it feels like it's purely directed at you or at women in general like well like you're the one same of thing two doesn't... women on a staff and so you're... if i walked in with a dude probably that same joke's not gonna ever be made yeah or if it is you know i mean well, maybe everybody... for me because i have a very gay vibe <laughs> but like for most people no but but it's it's just something yeah it's exactly as you say it's like a tonnage and i think on top of that because these things come out of nowhere oh thank you very sure. much we're just doing a water refill break <laughs> um See, female support. That's yeah. what that's what there you're doing. Um, no, because it's um, where was I going to go with this? Um, because it is a tonnage thing, and it's something that like only you have to worry about. Um, you you are never al- allowed to like let down your guard and not be worried about things like that. So in a, in a very real sense, like we do have to. Uh, become prudes about it, and and even when I've been trying, when I've tried to deal with these things before, sometimes the worst part about it is trying to report it because I reported it, for instance, to um, my boss at one job, and he, I told him, I don't want you to talk to this person that had been just like, w- like following me out the door and and was just saying inappropriate things to me, like giving me gifts and like things that were not coworkery and saying, you know, they do that you're thing of like, bro. you're, I was in my office, like putting on makeup and would stop at the door and be like, you're gilding the lily. Like you look beautiful oh, and Jesus weird Christ. shit like that. That you're just like, just move on. Like nobody, it's fine. Just go, move on. Go hang out by the go, elementary school go, kids. Yeah. It's, it's totally cool. You don't <laughs> need to do that. It's go like, put on your sweatpants it's awkward. Um, but so I, I tried to talk to my boss about it at that job, and I said, I don't want you to talk to this individual. I've been talking to him. I've been telling him when I feel like inappropriate. But if you're in the room and you notice him being inappropriate, please step up and me. say something in the room so that at least I have somebody like supporting me. Yeah. Um, and the next day he came up to me and he was like, so I talked to the guy. And I was like, I specifically asked you not to do that right. because I was dealing with it myself. And my boss said to me, and don't worry, I just explained to him how he can't make the same types of jokes around you that he makes around the other guys. That's crazy. Yeah, so then I'm like, okay, now you're sexually harassing me because you're making uh, you're making it uh, all about like my gender. That's not what I was saying. Yeah. He's not making these jokes around the other guys because he's telling me I look beautiful. That's Those not even jokes. a joke. That's not a joke. That's not even a joke. Yeah. That's just making me feel comfortable with my workplace. 
you know, um, but that, and then I had another job where a boss like totally overstepped the lines and I tried to talk to the person that was above me, but below him. And they suggested that I should have like kept more uh, appropriate boundaries. And by that they meant like, I shouldn't have given my boss my cell phone number because that's where he was texting me inappropriate things. That's crazy. And it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Why, I, but why is the onus on you to do, to like, because that's, then you're having to act differently, which sure. you already are, but like, why? It puts you in a disadvantage in your job because you don't get to act like you're, I, I listen, I put 130% of me into every job that I have. And so if my boss wants me to work on weekends or stay late or give me his, give him my cell phone number, I'm going to do all of those things because like I care about the job. That's also but, normal. But well, it, it is. But then once in a while, it can skew. They can read it the wrong way, and then all of a sudden, you're in a place where you're being told like, "Oh, you let this get out of hand." When you're like, "I was just it's doing." It's not my responsibility. Yeah, right? it's not my responsibility. But I am doing what I'm told at a job which I was hired to do just that. Exactly, and but and the, I think that they also don't understand how how slowly and subtly it can come up and right. start happening on you where you don't almost even realize it's happening before it's been too late because you just, you know, it's like that, you know, that analogy they make about a frog thrown into boiling water as, as opposed to just like coming up. It just yeah. slowly, the, the, the water warms around you without you realizing it and before you know it, it's like it's been too late. And what's unfortunate about it is that what it's done is maybe really kind of jaded and I think a little bit more unfriendly at jobs than I was previously. Um, which I, I'm sure if I were a guy, I would have just, you know, I wouldn't have even noticed these. There's, I'm sure there's other problems that men deal with for sure. But this is one that I think is like unique where as a woman, you're in a room and you just never know which is the guy in the room who's not going to be able to separate your gender away from your job and just do a job with you. And I've worked in, in a lot of rooms with a lot of amazing men who can do exactly that. And they just separate the two things and they talk to you like a person and they're kind and, and everything and they're wonderful. But it only takes like one bad apple to make your workplace sure. environment feel unsafe for yeah. you. What's interesting, I think talking of the analogy of the, the water that's gradually heated, because mm -hmm. um, it... There is like a culture, I've been in rooms where there's a culture where like it's a fucking pirate ship. Mm -hmm. We're talking about like where it's like eight dudes and one lady. And then like you you kind of get into this vibe. I know like this is what I'm <clears throat> talking about, like hopefully trying to be better and trying to call things out. But like yeah. sometimes you get into this like locker room mentality. Sure. And you don't even recognize. Well, least, when you're part of the majority, why would you want to jump ship over to like the minority and fight that battle? Yeah, if you, I mean, like, didn't well, you should. To. You should want to, and I, I would want. I want to, but yeah. like, there's sometimes like I know I'm. I'm sure I've been culpable in like just not even recognizing the subtlety of some mm -hmm. things. You know. Well, it's impossible. I mean, even when it's happening to you, it's really hard to to mm -hmm. notice. But then, as I said, like the a few times when it's happened and I've spoken up about it, it's been the most disappointing thing because you know if a guy is going to be a jerk and he's going to say things to you that are inappropriate and make you feel, um, you know, harassed, that's on him. But the, the sane people around him that I would like speak to about it, that would try to sweep it under the rug or try to make it my fault or try to find some excuse for him, like, oh, he was probably just drunk or it was probably just this or whatever. That was way more disappointing because why those were people to, that I... Why go to, why do you offer to an excuse to a predator? I think, I think it's because they don't see that person that way and they, and they get all the benefits of being as close to him as possible. 
um, without any of the side effects. Right. So why would they go against, you know what I mean? They, they fought really hard to get to where they are in their right. career as well. So why would they want to be turning around to their boss and making it uncomfortable? But the reason is because like, unless everyone in the staff feels safe and comfortable there, then it's, it's not a good environment. It's not a good workplace environment. Yep. You're, you're supposed <laughs> to make sure that people feel like when they come to the office that they're not going to, I mean, it's there's just too many times that I've I've gone in and been put in a position where like my face goes red hot and I go cry in my office for like a while and I'm not like a super emotional person but it just when you're on this track where you're having so much fun at work and you're going like you're coming up with ideas and you're really excited and you're doing and then this thing like I said sideswipes you from the side and you're like I'm not playing that game right now I'm, I'm really doing this other thing but then you have this to do not both. environment at all yeah but you have to do both you don't yeah. get the option to deal with it once it comes up and starts happening to you you don't get the option to be like nope I don't want to do that like never mind because even if you say no then then it's a whole the other side of it which is like now you've rejected somebody that you work with and they're going to be it, probably it, an asshole and it to again you. doesn't feel like a safe space exactly yeah. so it's like what do you do when it happens what's the way that you extract yourself from that situation without ruining the job that you're at and there really isn't one um, which is why I feel so much for like like Gretchen Carlson and, and things like that because once that started happening to her that was it that was the end of her career whether she wanted to accept it then or not that was the end of her career at Fox News yeah. because her boss had decided he wanted something for her that she wasn't going to give him and that was it like um, but uh, but yeah I don't know how well, I, was, I, I mean I think like the interesting thing well what you said very early on is like there is no <laughs> take two uh there is like no way to get around this because like yeah. you either make waves and you maybe somewhat rectify the situation but then you have like a scarlet letter yeah which is shit yeah or you don't say anything and then it continues yeah and then you don't feel safe you don't have the scarlet letter but then you feel like but then you're dealing with that instead of focusing on your work, which is what you were hired to do. Yeah. So even if it takes 20% of your brain power to be dealing with that stuff happening, that other 80, I mean, I don't never want to put like 80% of me into a job. Like that's not yeah. why I got into the creative field. If, if I were like doing something I didn't give a shit about and somebody was sexually harassing me, I could just move on to something else. Yes. You know what I mean? Because who cares? But I'm, I get into, I pick shows and I pick jobs to work on because I like have a tie to that specific um, creative entity that I want to like be right. a part of. And so to, to then have, you know, that happen is it's, it's been, it's been hard. It's been hard to like talk about and I've talked, I talk about it with my husband like a little bit, but like it's, it's been, um, it's been a difficult thing to kind of wrap my head around because, um, it, it doesn't really ever resolve. You just move on to the next job and you hope it doesn't happen there. You know, it do, it's not like there's ever this sit down where somebody apologizes and there's like a rec rectifying. It's just like you left that job with that sour taste in your mouth about that person. So then, I mean, but the good news is, uh, and whether people like it or not, and whether they think that it's like a mob mentality rule or, or whatever, women do tell other women about sure. bad guys a lot. Like yeah. there's like an underground, uh, there's an underground railroad as it were of like women letting other women know you watch out for this guy. Don't do business with him. Like that sort of stuff. I've, I've been told by women and told other women. So 
it's um that that's good <laughs> like and I, and I feel that, like that women needs are to happen, right because that's with when there's no other like immediate things you can do yeah. without like going to HR sure you need to like allow and if you go to HR and you make a complaint, they say that they're going to make the whole staff undergo sexual harassment oh training. That's doing the exact opposite. That's they're just enforcing to like, don't say anything. Yeah. And, and, and people always ask too, like, why don't you say something in a minute? Like, why don't you, you know, when it's happening, why don't you reel around and like yell at that guy? And it's like, oh, well, because I, I want the executives at this network that I'm trying to impress to their first impression of me is that I'm screaming at a you know, produce like believe me, that's, that's exactly not. what I wanted to do. But it's you're not in the time and place. You're for also it. Made, you're acting professionally. You're the one person in the scenario is <laughs> exactly. acting professionally. You're the one who's who's trying to you know exactly. I it's uh it's been a it's been a difficult thing. And do you, do you um, think I'm interrupting? Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, do you think it's you've been working ten years mm -hmm. more or less? Yeah. Do you have you seen that it's been getting better? Or, or has it just changed on each level because your status has changed? It just changed with every job because right. at every job it's a different, different set of person. people. Do you think like culturally though? Um, yeah, I mean I'm sure I have it so much better than the women that came before me because I can't imagine what like Joan Rivers dealt with. Oh Jesus Christ! You know, being and and like and I feel like there is there was a there was a a long time in which women in order to feel like they were felt safe and, and equal in their jobs, had to become like men, um, and had She's to... She's cool, she drinks beer. And had to pretend that everybody loved... And I'm not saying that women don't love, you know, blue jokes or anything. A lot of them do. I happen not to love, like, shit jokes yeah. and, like, a bunch of pussy talk and all that stuff. Not my favorite topic of conversation. Not to say it's not good. Believe me, I love a well-worded dick joke just as much as the next girl. Oh, it's my favorite thing. It's the best. I like sex jokes, but as, a, as far as a topic of conversation on your average workday, no, I don't really love like sitting around and talking about like sex and that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, so, But that's fine. But I don't care if other people do. I'm not like offended if, if there was like a couple single people that I was working with and they wanted to like chat about like dating I'd find it interesting you know if you if you want to like share about that stuff but um, you just never know when you enter into that job who's gonna take that the right way and who's gonna you'll be chatting with them about something and then they'll suddenly say something that's like really I'm I feel like I'm being so vague as to not be helpful no I there, think that's but. I think it's 100% Fair. But I think, but I think it's getting better in terms of. I think for a long time because there were so few opportunities for women, um, women were very competitive with other women because I think that there was this idea out there that we all serve the same function, and women sort of had one woman in this room. Yeah, we need another woman in exactly, this room. Exactly, which is still happening today. But I feel like maybe even five to ten years ago, women sort of believed it too. And so they were competitive with other women because they felt like it's you or me. Right. And I feel like that is fading away, which is hugely helpful because That's the great. more the women are, are, you know, coming together with other women and are helping them get opportunities like recommending each other for jobs and doing everything, it makes a, it makes a more supportive culture amongst us right. and then hopefully we can band together and sort of turn the tide of this which would be great but it really is a case-to-case -case basis it's really like you get on a show and however your boss sets the tone of the room that's like how that room is going to be and I've never worked on I've heard horror stories about shows where I wouldn't last a few days there just because of the way that they the culture of the room and like how they talk to their coworkers. I think that there needs to be like a base level of respect. I know we're like funny people, but that doesn't mean that 
every day needs to be a roast that you're like trying to. Hundred percent. I think like a good metric is like with the guy and the cupping of the butt. Like if you are ever doing anything where if you get like somebody looks at you and you like feel yeah. the need to pull your hand away. It's not okay. Yeah. And like metaphorically, if it's like a joke, if it's a line, if sure. it's like calling something out. And that it, one's easy because it's like, how many guys do you lead around by the small of the back? Uh, like, not many. I'll, uh, here's a, I, here's, I'll, do here's with, a, I'll do it with friends, but that's like someone I'm very close with. Sure. Yeah. But, but as a, just a general memo to all men, like women can move without you touching us. If you tell me to go meet somebody, mm-hmm. I will walk over there and shake their hand. I've seen it. Uh, I've I seen am, you. You're I'm, an excellent handshaker. I am not a blind deaf dog, yeah. so I can take care of it for sure. But, um, but th- that is exactly the moment where it was like, there was no, that wasn't him being like his normal self and I was taking offense to it. No. It was him seeing how much he can get away yes. with. And the thing is, unfortunately, in that moment at that party, he got away with it because I didn't say anything to him in that moment yeah. of making it making me feel uncomfortable. I gave him a look and he knew what he was doing. And it took till the next time it happened at a totally different party for me to say anything about it. But even in that moment, then it's like, I got to see this guy again. Like, we're going to continue to work together unless I, one, pull out of the opportunity that I've had, which is what I did, or two, um, try to get him fired, which is like not going to happen. And also, not something that I really want to do. I just no. want him to stop doing that. Yeah, that's, that's what that's that what all fair. women want. We that's a fair thing. Exactly. The women do not like want revenge and to destroy these guys. We just want the behavior to stop happening. Yeah, to be an even playing field. Yeah, that's all. So like that's everybody all. feels safe and everybody can do the best thing they, the best work they can do. Yeah, yeah. And it's and I think it's awesome that we're in a business where we can be we can be open and emotionally honest with people that we work with. You also have to be. It's and part you, of the job. And you have to be, and you have to share embarrassing stories, and you have to share things that make you feel vulnerable. And I think the key to that is not that anybody can say any disgusting thing they want. It's that there's a shared level of respect amongst the room that we're not going to take advantage of each other, and um, we're not going to make a person feel less than. We're gonna, Yeah, it's a level playing field. And so, I, yeah, I just... Uh, it's, um, that's been like, I would say the only, when I was trying to think of your podcast, the only other like big, like terrible thing that's happened in my life has been that it mixed into the like absolutely, uh, amazing experiences that I've had on this job is just like a, like a little fucking sousant of awfulness uh-huh. that, that is just like these jagged little edges on things that sometimes I run up against and I wasn't expecting it and having it be a part of something that is like so dear to me and right. that is, that's been, but it's also what we were talking about earlier, like a ton of just like death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Like it's like, okay, there's in any, any field or any walk, work of life, there's walk of life, there's going to be something that's going to be, okay, that was like a, a fender bender yeah. in whatever experience. But like when you're getting fucking beat all the time, that's when it becomes an issue. Yeah. Because there's dicks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But like it shouldn't be like, it shouldn't be t- Chinese water torture. It shouldn't be yeah. just like fucking every drop now feels like you're getting hit in the head with a sledgehammer. Sure. And when you try to talk to it, off, uh, talk about it, often what you get is like, you're being emotional, you're overreacting or just, whatever, which is such a thing that's always thrown at women. It's such a marginalizing of, of an experience. Yeah. And it's like, you don't, and, uh, and there's no way to have somebody else know what that feels like to have gone through like that physical touching and stuff. I, I had a 
friend who got a job and on her first day of work her boss hugged her like four times and she was just like this is excessive like we work in real estate you don't need to be hugging me all the time like it's, it's a not lot of hugs. it's a lot of hugs I, if and, you're a warm person a hug yeah sure that seems fair that's fine that's enough hugs but she said she came and and the saddest part is the end of that day she called me and she was like is this weird and I was like yeah that's yeah. weird but she was like good because for a second I just thought I was overreacting did you like win a competition <laughs> I know was there like a lottery one did three people die because yeah. that's the only reason that you should be getting four no, three people died that's true I guess that's fair at separate times during the day because yep. if they all died at once one, one hug will right. do maybe one. like there's an extra long hold for it's, con- it's just yeah. oh man but yeah that being said I, I on jobs I have had very very like joking fun relationships with guys that I knew respected me that I knew treated me with like a level of decency right and that's fine and those guys they know that it's okay too and the guys that are doing the weird creepy shit know it's weird and creepy so you don't have to be worried about being this guy that's gonna like mistakenly cross a line because women are by and large we are trying to gloss over any weirdness that happens to us I know but it's interesting like what you said earlier like I think the way you started was saying like if you see something wrong as a man try to rectify that mm-hmm. try to mitigate that in some capacity let it know that it's not be okay yeah in just some small way yeah and like that seems fair but it, it feels like um i think i would like to do those things but to me it feels like a little bit like uh i should donate more to charity <laughs> like yeah. i'm like a good I, I think i'm a well, good person but like there's fucking always it's I like know. Oscar there's Schindler. something you could be doing One more. more but here's here's what i think like in that moment that you'd be stepping up and saying something, you'd be putting a little bit of a target on you, right? Because you'd be like all of a sudden taking the girl's side and things. Well, but think, yeah. But the reason I'm saying is like, that's great because as long as there's not just a target on me, sure. as long as there's a couple people in the room that have targets on them where they're getting made fun of for being too sensitive or whatever, then I don't feel singled out. But when I feel like singled out, that's that's the worst part. So yeah. even if you step up for a minute and you take some catch some shit too, like you'll be doing your service for. Well, <laughs> I also feel like there's a way to do that, and that doesn't feel like you're on a soapbox. Sure. Like I know, I feel like in the times that I've maybe done something akin to that, it's just like mocking somebody for being inappropriate. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, I don't even know what a specific no, it's example. No, literally as much as like, like, oh, great joke. Like, wow. We're speaking in the same language. Like, yeah. I'm not, this is not weird. Now I'm just making you feel maybe slightly ashamed. Maybe not at all. Yeah. But it's a jo- it's form of a joke because I think that, that that it's a little tip of an iceberg that you may see from time to time, but there is a lot going on under the surface that oh, you yeah, will never witness and that women will never tell anybody about because they don't want to believe that it's happening or they well, move on to the next job and they just go like, well, that was why I left that place because I didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah, and I think that's like what you're saying. Um, why people would be like, maybe he was drunk. Maybe yeah. there was the. I, it's because. My experience is I don't see that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, going back to what we talked about earlier, like, by and large, you want to see the good in people. So sure. you're like, well, I don't know. That's not been my experience, but it's hard to wrap your mind around an experience that's yeah. not yours, but you need to try. If you're lucky enough to get a job in television, the last thing you want to do is have a problem at work. Like, it was so hard to get that job in the first place. Yeah. But the last thing you want to do is, like, have something there that's, like, it's, like... 
yeah, if you ran a marathon and then the last mile you had like a little bit of glass in your shoe, you're like, I'm trying not to feel this because I did I so, so much. I went so far to get here. So I don't want this to be real. And so you kind of like, uh, you you laugh things off or you, you pretend like things don't bother you. But then all that is, is that person that's doing it is just testing the waters to see how much they can get away with. And slowly but surely they will try to get away with more and more and more and more. It's not It's not like a one-time thing. If like somebody, if a boss or somebody makes an inappropriate joke, it's not going to be like the only time that that happens. Right. They're setting the stage to see how much you a will A precedent take. is set, yeah. Yeah. Do um, you think, has that, so now you have been in, in a couple of different scenarios, been in a place where you're top of the food chain, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is fantastic. Which is good, yeah. How do you... Do I get to sexually harass guys now? Yes. Yeah. I'm glad you yeah. asked. Yeah. I do. <laughs> what are your favorite lines? <laughs> Fries with that shit. Dick on the table. That's what. Uh, no. Um, I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it better you, now that I'm? Why do you try to? I mean, do you see the same thing, or is it like totally staunched by the fact that like people are aware of who is who is you know the king here? Yeah. Um, I haven't had it. Even that, those... the sexist. King. <laughs> The king queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a situation where I've been the boss of something and and I've gotten uh, sexually harassed. That has not happened. I guess the the closest thing that the to it that I've been trying to do when I when I am in a position of of um, of uh, power is that when I'm selecting, for instance, when I'm selecting writers to be on a staff, um, I really try to like you know. I really try to have like a lot of different. Are we? Okay. I, just, I, re- I get nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, when I'm selecting people for a staff, I really try to have. He's um... inside. <laughs> oh my goodness, we're falling apart at the end here. No, that's all right. Um, I really try to have obviously an equal number of like men and women, but in order to do that, and sometimes in order to not be sexist, people are like the most sexist you could possibly be because I've had. On two different shows that I've like um, been hiring the staffs for, I've had agencies contact me to send me their clients that might be, you know, writers that pa- packets from writers that might be good for sure. the show that I'm work- that I'm hiring for. And on t- both of them, I've had uh, these these agencies say to me basically, "Oh, so I hear you're only looking for women writers. So should we only send you female writers?" And I'm like, first of all, I never said that. Yeah. I don't know where you're getting that from. Nobody ever said that to you. And secondly, if you have good female writers and you're not sending them, then, like, why? Just send me whoever is funny. Just yeah. send me all of your funny people. It don't, like, they try to make it about, like, they'll say in, in breakdowns when they send writers, like, and he's, like, half black or he's what, and you're like, I don't need to know that stuff. Like that is not what we're, that's not what we're talking about. But I I know, I know it comes from a good place because it comes from an attempt to like fill these spaces, but the kind of conversations you get in when you're, when you're staffing seem really racist because they're literally going like, yeah, but he's diversity. So you're going to want to keep him in. And it's like, well, it's inherently racist, but it's like, it's, it's a weirdly under, 
undertone, uh, undercurrent of racism to try to end a systemic racist problem. Totally. And, and it's, it feels so backwards. And not a job that I was hiring for, for, but again, like a job that I was on that I said when I was leaving, they told me if they found a woman. That is the way that that particular job was, where they kept hiring women and then firing them and hiring them and firing them and hiring them because they're trying to have another female writer. And I'm like, look, maybe it's not... The, the women. Yeah. I mean, there <laughs> seems to be a, a pattern here. After you go through nine women and you've hired and fired them all, like maybe there's something about your room that doesn't allow women to like operate at their peak performance. And maybe the best way for you to rectify the the that situation is not to just keep throwing women at it, mm -hmm. but to instead maybe. Pause and look at like the way that the women that are there are being treated, and For make sure. make some adjustments. And also, perhaps have it be more than just one woman, and sure. then it won't feel like a, an island. Because it literally is like you're. I mean, when I was hired, they were. I was like, oh, I thought there was a writing team that worked here uh, with two women, and they were like, yeah, um, well, they did, and now we have you. And what? I'm like, oh, that's a crazy way to put that. Yeah. But that was the mentality. It's like, okay, well, we're replacing our female writer this yeah. year. Um, so that is a thing that I'm trying to break. It's, it's hard because obviously I do want to have a staff that has like a lot of different viewpoints. But at the same time, I don't want to be having these conversations over email. It just feels gross. Like so have these conversations with these agencies where I'm like, do you have any more women? Or And I never say, but they're, but they're always asking me like, oh, are you hiring any more men? Because I've got... if. If you were hiring any white dudes like these guys, I'm like, stop saying yeah. it to me like that. It's just that they're, they're obsessed with it. It's like all they think about all the time. Well, I think is that that's what they're getting, right? Yeah. That's what, like, there's probably... The pressure from the top is telling them to do this, certainly. Um, I guess the shows that I, I've been in charge of, when I have a staff, all I try to do is make sure that everyone's voice is heard in the room, that people aren't being marginalized, or that, that if somebody is having an issue, like they're talking too much or they're talking too little, that I try to talk to them about that so that they have the chance to like rectify those things. Right. Because I feel like sometimes writer's rooms can get kind of toxic, and people love having like the person in the room that's For like, sure. oh, they're the worst, and everybody knows I it. I do that all the time. It's, yeah. not, it's not helpful. It's not helpful, but... It's just but, like you fall into these but patterns. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. And you, you don't want to be that person, so identifying who it is makes you feel warm and squishy inside for sure. and that and that's but so I, I'm trying to do I'm trying to you know Stop rectify the bleeding. that a little bit yeah exactly and, and try to be more but it, but it's difficult because you know it, it, it hits you from all different places like it's not even about staffing or working on the job I've been trying to develop a, a, a drama idea recently that has a female lead and the questions you get in the development process like I, I tried to develop, I tried to develop a, a show recently with two female leads, and I would get notes like, "You should probably put something in there about how they're not lesbians because everyone's going to think that they're lesbians." And I'm like, what? "Why?" Why? And they're like, "Well, it's just that they might it, people might have the you know misunderstanding that they are." And I'm like, "One, why is that a bad thing? Uh -huh. Like, what, what's the problem if somebody thinks they're lesbians? Yeah. What's the big deal?" Two, um, they talk about, and several times in this draft, they talk about getting dick. So I don't know why 
You would think that that's not that's not slang. It's for not vagina. slang for. That has not changed. And then and then finally, I was so irritated in a note session. I was like, Oh no, they're eating each other out during every commercial break. Did I not make that clear? I should make that more clear. Yeah. Because because yeah. I was just getting so. Like, oh, could we do that? Yeah. Or like they, I feel like um, it was like a it was a, an action type show, and they were they were really concerned in making sure that the women were justified six ways to Sunday in any time that they shot somebody. And I was like, Meanwhile, any action movie men. Do just shoot but if a woman shoots somebody that she's got to have a good reason for it because sure. like uh, whereas it's like most action movies you watch your bodies are just falling oh no vastly unlikable Jason people. Bourne kills like a shit ton of people, shit ton of people. Yeah. and nobody goes but what are his motivations I mean I his motivation is that he doesn't understand it. He doesn't that's understand. his motivation no but I understand you need to have motivations but I would and then they would be like can't she just shoot something and like a bunch of logs come down like hit the guy in the head and it's like well she could do that but she'd be a fucking idiot because that guy's got a gun yeah. so if I was going to fire one bullet I'd probably fire it into the head of the guy that was had a gun pointed at me um, but I would have all these things and I'd be like, wow, it's just impossible, even with the development of characters, to like separate the gender away from it because right. you're, you know, I'm trying to pitch a character that's mo- motivated like Tony Soprano is and they're going, oh, but what happened? Was her husband, did her husband run out of her? Or was she raped or something? Like what happened to make her this way? And you're like, oh, she's just power hungry and yeah, greedy. That's a thing that people that's, have. That's a thing that people have. That is a universal are. experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. insecurity and also like megalomania. That's it, it not that is not gender gender neutral. Exactly. And but but the good news on that end of things is that uh, that means that those projects aren't happening, which means that hopefully I can force through things like that, and they'll be like so novel women doing things without having like specifically man justified, um, you know, justifications for doing that. Like, because they always want to know like what what is the man in her life like? How is he contributing to this or doing something? How does she not feel safe since her husband's gone? Exactly. Yeah. Oh well, see, it all comes back around. All comes back around. <laughs> um, I would just ask. In summation, mm-hmm. oof, this is we've we've got a, a lot, lot of things, things a lot of things. Um, I please, please, seriously, to anyone that's listening to this, do not try to like. It's not important. Yeah, it's not important who these people are. I'm not trying to drag them under the bus. I'm trying to say things about my experiences so that other women that maybe have gone through similar things just don't feel quite so, so alone. Quite so alone. And also, if, that's if all. for all the dudes who are listening, you know, try to be an ally. Yeah, yeah. Try to be on our side that seems when fair. it comes time. That's that's all. I think that's a good okay. message. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate well, it. Uh, this is a pleasure. It's always nice to see you. Yeah, not enough. I just see you in bougie places, which is also fun. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. Fancy. Thanks, lady. <laughs> well, that was a doozy of an episode. Uh, hey, who knew that dudes could be such dicks? Wow. Actually, no, that's right. Everybody knew. Everybody knew that dudes could be dicks. But uh, thank you to Megan for being so vulnerable and earnest and open. And, uh, you know, reminding us that we can all do better. Um, I think that's important. So let's all try to do better, shall we? Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, sincerely, thank you so much, Megan. Uh, it was wonderful, and thank you for your vulnerability. If you want to hear what else is going on with Megan, you can check her out on Twitter. She's at Megan Gans. Um, we also have a Twitter account. We're at terribly underscore funny. 
Um, we also have we're on all the social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook. It's terribly funny podcast. Um, we also have an email if you'd like to you know drop us a line and say hey love the show. Hey uh, the show's fine. Hey don't care for the show. Whatever. I, I'm a lonely person. I love to hear from you. Our email is terribly funny podcast at gmail. Um, sincerely, love to hear anything from you guys. Um, what else? You can go to our iTunes page. You can uh, leave a review, uh, write a comment, uh, rate us, subscribe, do all the fun things. Um, and I guess that's about it. Other, otherwise, uh, to say thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes that I am not good at, which is, you know, almost everything. And uh, also to Julia Pott and Kingdom Flying Club for the art and music. And the biggest thanks, um, as, as always, goes to you guys. Thank you so much for, for joining me and listening to this and taking time out of your day, you know, to go along a weird journey with me and a bunch of friends, old and new, uh, having some earnest heart feeling feelings kind of talks. Uh, I'm having fun doing this, and I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. So thank you so much for, you know, going on this, on this little trip with me. You guys are, as they say, the tits. Lots of love. Mwah. <laughs>